Hello and welcome to this episode of State Snapshots. My name is Meredith Beeson. I'm the Director of State Affairs at the Global Business Alliance. We are very excited today to hear a little bit more about what's happening in Michigan. Uh, we're joined by Daniel Papanow, who is from the Michigan Chamber. Excited to have you here, Dan. And uh, why don't I turn it over to you just to say hello? Hello, Meredith. Thanks for inviting me to uh, participate, and it's good to, always to talk to you. Great. Well, let's start with an easy question. What is going on in Michigan right now? I know you all have a year-round legislature, so what is the topic du jour? Yep, you're right. It is uh, it is year-round, but they take very generous breaks. So, so luckily, we've had a, a nice slow summer. Uh, the legislature's been out uh, for several months now. They only meet maybe once or twice a month just to uh, keep active uh, to avoid the governor calling in and calling them in for an emergency session. Um, but really the focus has been the budget and we um, were really kind of coming up to a budget deadline uh, at the end of September. And it doesn't seem like the leg Republican led legislature and the Democratic governor are anywhere closer to a final uh, fiscal year, fiscal year 21 22 budget than they were when they left back in like early June. So that's that's a huge focus. They, they have to pass a budget. We want to avoid a government shutdown. Uh, it's a little more complicated this year, obviously, because of the federal money. Um, but there is kind of a common consensus, at least now that let's 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 separate the two. Let's let's get a budget done uh, and, and avoid any kind of controversy, any shutdown. Let's make sure government stays open and funded. And once we do that, let's move to the six and a half billion or so in federal dollars uh, that, that is coming to Michigan from from D.C. So the it's funny, I've, I've been in Lansing uh, where there's been times where we had to make a lot of cuts. And I think when there's an opportunity to spend a lot more than we normally would have, it's it's even harder to, to create a budget. So the uh, the talk of the town is budget, budget, budget. Great. Well, thank you for that update. And I appreciate the call out of the deadline being at the end of September. I think that will be important for our members to watch. Obviously, Michigan is a large state for foreign direct investment and has a lot of great international companies um, in the state. Shifting gears a little bit, and you kind of referenced this in your overview, but would also you know, welcome your thoughts or insights on how the governor's emergency executive authority is being questioned by the legislature. We know this is a topic that's not exclusive to Michigan, but um, definitely have been reading some headlines lately. So any insights on the kind of showdown between the governor and legislature? Yep. So you know, when we uh, when the pandemic started, the governor relied on two different laws for her uh, executive authority. Long story short, the uh, the Supreme Court uh, about a year ago said that the governor doesn't have this endless kind of authority. Uh, and at, but at the same time, there was a big signature gathering effort to put a to put a question before the legislature, uh, you know, a citizen initiated law um, to to to, you know, uh, repeal the law that gave her that authority. So it's kind of, it, it was a little bit messy where the Supreme Court kind of did the, um, basically the Republicans um, job for them. They, uh, the Supreme Court said you, you, she couldn't have perpetual power. The ballot proposal ended up getting enough, not a ballot proposal, a citizen initiated law. The, uh, the citizen initiated law ended up getting enough signatures, which means that the question will go to the Republican controlled legislature 
And if there's a simple majority of votes, then the citizen initiated law will become law without the governor's signature. So they, the legislature ended up basically codifying what the Supreme Court had ruled. So today, where we stand is the governor has executive authority, but it can't last longer than 28 days. If, it, if she wants to extend it, she has to go to the legislature to ask for an extension. But there's another avenue that the governor used after the Supreme Court um, you know, invalidated her executive authority, and that's through the Department of Health and Human Services. So if there's an emergency uh, public health crisis, the director of the DHHS has basically the same power the governor used to. So she she is she started issuing her own orders, and that's those are um, you can issue them I believe for like six months, and then you can re renew them for another six months. But the question is, you know, what if you change them in between? Um, and we never really that was never really settled. So I think the governor has been very clear she does not intend on issuing any orders. The DHHS hasn't director has also followed the governor's lead, you know, as an appointed position. So right now we feel pretty good that there probably aren't any orders coming down, but if there were, they would come in the form of department orders under the public health code and not the governor's executive authority. Really helpful, Dan, and I know many states are sort of uh, tussling with these emergency executive authority and very interesting about the um, Health and Human Service Commissioner kind of getting uh, some of those temporary um, uh, responsibilities and, and authority. So, right. you know, sh shifting gears back to maybe more of the budget conversation, I'd love to spend some time talking about tax issues. One of my favorite, of course, a GBA priority um, has long been 163J and related to the treatment of business interest expense limitations. We know that the Department of Treasury last year in Michigan sort of released some guidance that was a bit troubling, troubling especially for multi-state tax filers and its proposed treatment of um, business interest expense limitations to be calculated on an entity level and not the ability to share across a group. So can you give us just a quick rundown of what has happened this year? I know there's a legislative hearing early on, and we've obviously been collaborating with the Michigan Chamber closely on this issue. So any key uh, takeaways or highlights from this year on SB 195? Yep, so lots of action this year. And I would actually back up even further and say that the, you know, the Chamber and the GBA, uh, you know, under a different name a couple of years ago, you know, partnered and worked collaboratively to try to just, um, you know, uh, decouple from 163J. Uh, you guys really helped us out getting, uh, you know, company specific voices out there under former Governor Snyder, who was very business orientated. Um, but, you know, ultimately he did veto that legislation on one of his last days in office. And that kind of left the question up for, you know, the next governor. And that's what Governor Snyder wanted. He's, you know, he basically said, look, and I'm out. Let, let Governor Whitmer take this one. So since then, you know, we went from de trying to decouple to, to to living in a world knowing that we have to we have to abide by this uh, provision. You know, it's not going away. So the question did turn to how is Treasury going to treat it? And for the longest time, they said, look, we're going to treat it like the feds do. We won't even issue any special kind of guidance. Just go with the flow. And we felt good about that. But then out of nowhere, they, they decided to issue guidance. And we went back and forth on on their guidance and, and comment after comment after comment period. And finally, they just issued it. They said that they're going to, you know, they didn't say they're going to issue it. 
they wanted another round of feedback, but they just did it. So then we uh, we really got spooked, like you said. Uh, there was a lot of concern over how the department will treat the business interest expense limitation, and you know we went to Treasury and said, hey, this is this is nuts. We, we this is. This is not how we imagined it. It's not how the federal government does it. You're going to create so much work. You're going to diminish the uh, tax benefit. And they said, well, look at our hands are tied. We're just interpreting the statute. So if you don't like it, you got to go change it. So we did, uh, you know, we with your help. And and that kind of brings us more to the recent times here. We uh, introduced a bill with Senator Nesbitt. And that bill uh, last legislative session got a lot of momentum. We brought it back this session. And we're trying to work with Treasury to see how they want to handle it, uh, but they're the, the, how they want to handle it is so convoluted. It's just, it's you know, is it even worth it? You know, in their minds, they don't have the real life experience. You know, your members have Meredith, and my members have. So it, it's uh, I, that's where we're at right now is trying to portray to Treasury that this is so complicated. It's going to be more work for you, more work for us. You know, there's no benefit. And at the end of the day, even if they do. Um, you know, commit to some kind of language or process. I don't think it's still not guaranteed that the governor will sign it. Yeah, that is a great point and goes to kind of one of the follow up questions, which is, you know, outside of obviously the ongoing conversation with the Department of Treasury, and I have appreciated them working with uh, you and us here at GBA. Um, but I think you're right, the political dynamics are very challenging, especially with the Republican-controlled legislature that may um, easily pass this or easier to pass there. Um, I know that GBA is working on continuing to develop our relationship with Governor Whitmer's office. We're hoping to have Governor Whitmer join us for our virtual Jumpstart Jobs Tour. Um, but are there any other big barriers that you see from this passing the legislature? I know early on there's a lot of conversation about the cost to the state, for example, um, an earlier fiscal note. But any other challenges that you want to flag? Yep, exactly, Meredith. It, it really is that budget impact, which seems silly to be talking about when the state's so flush with cash. Um, but I think any type of, um, you know, corporate tax you know, reduction or ease of administration just doesn't look super favorable. Um, I, I don't understand that mindset, but it is what it is. I think, you know, what we've already said, and, you know, Meredith, you know, we're really trying to, and, you know, develop a relationship with Governor Whitmer will be important because she needs to hear outside of Treasury that this doesn't have a budget impact. It's a timing issue. That's very, very important. And I think GBA members, chamber members, they know that. And it's hard to, you know, they rattle their brains trying to understand why the Department of Treasury won't look at it that way or the governor's office. But, you know, that's on us to, to make sure we continue to do that education. The only other thing that that roadblocks us and it blows my mind every time is this new thing that Treasury talks about. It's this cost of implementation. So if, if the bill is going to cost, you know, it's going to have programming costs to like, you know, redo software or if they got to hire more people to process this convoluted you know, proposal, they're going to want that covered in in the budget. And it's hard to budget more than one year for staff. Um, so they they commonly will throw that roadblock up and say, well, great. Well, we need some astronomical number to implement this. And unless we get it, we're going to suggest the governor veto it. And, you know, for something like this, I think they've come out and said like 2.6 million or something that they need just for implementation. And 
you got to go with find it in the budget for them. And that's not too hard right now, but it's just a roadblock. Sometimes I, you know, it looks like it looks more like an excuse, but that's uh, that's that's the work that we have to do. You know, develop the relationships, educate the stakeholders, and pursue uh, what they say that they need or want, and hold them to their word. If you get them everything they want, and they still recommend a veto, you know, there's a lot of foul play and and uh, and um, poor negotiating uh, that was going on. Thank you for that, uh, Dan. And just a plug for GBA members who might be listening, we do have a specific Michigan working group that's a specialized, mostly tax-focused individuals. We do encourage government affairs folks to uh, join us as well. If you've got a strong footprint in Michigan, as you can hear from Dan, he, we have a lot of work ahead of us in terms of kind of coordinating both more technical outreach with the Department of Treasury, as well as relationship building with uh, Governor Whitmer and key uh, Senate Democrats in particular, but also Democrats in the House. So again, a plug, please do contact me if you're interested in getting plugged into more of the day-to-day -day updates on Michigan. Uh, but shifting gears and, you know, would love to talk a little bit about federal stimulus. I know this isn't necessarily a GBA-specific issue, but it is very interesting to see kind of across the states on how funds are being appropriated. Obviously, the first round of federal stimulus came down. So any insights or details kind of of how the state's looking to appropriate those funds? Yeah, and I I think it's pretty simple. You know, it's it's water and sewer, roads and bridges, uh, broadband. Uh, Michigan has a has a very uh, poor uh, dam infrastructure issue. That will cry our hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure that we don't see this types of damage we cause we see by faulted dams. So though, you know, those broad based things and, you know, to be honest, it's so much money and there's so much debate. We really try to we'll come in and, and make broad suggestions on where the legislature and the governor should spend the money. But we're really hopeful that the governor and the legislature can come together on the specifics. Um, and find and cut a deal. We're trying to stay real laissez-faire because I don't want to get too specific and you know interject, make it harder for them to negotiate. As long as it's the broad-based, you know, we have big water sewer issues, uh, we have big um, dam infrastructure issues. Obviously, roads. I mean, our roads are just atrocious. So as long as they really stick to those kind of transformational investments that set Michigan up for a path to success and not one up for failure. Yeah, I think we'll be we'll be you know we, we'll be in good shape. The the really the biggest thing is we, we don't want to use temporary money for ongoing expenditures because as you're a tax person, I'm a tax person. We know what happens when there's uh, when the when the short term money runs out for a long term program. You know they turn to taxpayers to to cover that gap. So we're being very diligent to make sure that that doesn't happen. Great, that's a good overview. And you know, there might be another round of infrastructure funding dollars coming down to the state right. in addition to what was passed under ARPA. So definitely want to stay close and appreciate the updates. Um, shifting gears a little bit, you know, I'm curious, and I've been asking the last few folks on state snapshots just about the dynamic in, um, in the building itself at the state capitol. So do you plan or have you all formally shut down? I know. Michigan kind of stayed open uh, through the throughout the pandemic, obviously paired back staff and everything. But what do you think, you know, sort of in-person lobbying looks like next year? Do you think it'll get back to relatively normal or has it already gotten back to normal? 
Yeah, it's already gotten back to normal quite several, several months ago. Um, the Republicans control the House and the Senate, and they were and that was they were very much uh, in favor of keeping up their work uh, because they looked at themselves as the only check or balance between the, you know, the governor and and anybody else. So they felt it was very important to continue their work, and they did. And and in my opinion, and my recommendation is if if their work is as important as it is to them, I, our work is and our, if our work is important as it is to us, then we should show up in person. And I've noticed that a lot, you know, a lot of office now, most of the Republicans, but some of the Dems, too, if they're going to be there, they want you to be there, too, if it's that important to you. And I think a lot of people got tired of the virtual meetings. You don't pick up body language. You don't pick up personal cues. You know, we had a big legislative um, turnover in the House uh, late last, you know, last year, not this January, but the January before. So it was hard to meet people. And in this business, you know, the personal relationships are very important. So people are feeling, I think it's time to get back in person. They want to create the relationships. They want to do the work. Um, and if, again, if it's that important to you, then, and they're there, then they want you to be there too. Great. Well, Michigan might be on my list to come do a visit, uh, hopefully at least in 2022, if not later this year. So uh, it's it's interesting to hear how every state's kind of approaching it differently. Uh, but do I do look forward to hitting the road again and coming to see all the great state capitals. Um, I've got a couple more questions, uh, but wanted to talk a little bit about economic development opportunities. Now, you covered a little bit of how the ARPA funds are being spent. Um, I know Michigan was awarded the coveted Golden Shovel uh, Award for being a top state for new manufacturing jobs. Uh, but any kind of feedback on economic development opportunities or, you know, growing areas of interest, whether that's maybe Governor Whitmer's interest or just the economic development authority in the state? Yeah, good question. So uh, we're very proud to have received that award. And, you know, manufacturing is very close to our hearts here in Michigan, you know, of course. Um, and most of the most of the economic development programs are very targeted. You know, they're basically cash incentives. Um, produce jobs, come in with investment will help. Uh, and Michigan has fallen backwards when it comes to other tools. We used to have, a, you know, the Good Jobs for Michigan program that expired, which the chamber supports renewing. Um, there's been a lot of talk about an R&D in, uh, incentive, tax incentive, which has gotten a lot of interest, which the chamber supports. Um, so we have, we have, we appropriate decent money to to hand out to help bolster our chances of getting investment, but we don't have any like structural, structural long-term kind of program. And, and, it, and we've really noticed that that's the big opportunity that we need to start looking at again. Um, as long as they're done in a disciplined manner, intelligently, there's a return on investment, uh, there, there's an, you know enforcement measures, as long as they're done um, right, then we absolutely need economic development tools, and we just really don't have any. Um, I I, my, I hate using that, but the tools in the toolbox, right? Uh, everybody everybody uses that um, comparison, and we we're, we're running out. We have the Michigan Strategic Fund, which you know is, is a pot of a pot of money that's been helpful, but we have to get back to some structural tax type incentive programs. Yeah, that is very true, and I know there's. A lot of other states looking at all their tools in their toolboxes right now, and I, I do think, especially with the 
flux of dollars coming into the states that it's going to get real competitive on how to attract and even retain uh, companies looking to invest, right. expand in their state. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, Michigan has done a good job of creating an overall positive uh, tax environment, you know, personal property on, on manufacturing equipment. We made major reforms there. Um, you know, the, you know, a simple corporate income tax, no tax on pass throughs. We've done a lot of the good basics, but now we got to take it to the next level and try to look at some more incentive and attractive type type tools. And maybe help uh, ensure a simple approach to 163J or business yeah. interest expense limitations for some of the larger uh, companies in the state. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, Dan, I have one more question and I usually like to end on a fun note and it's just a little bit of how you might have used a GBA member company good or service in the last month. It's just kind of a way to think creatively about personal connections to how our members show up in day-to-day -day life. So any thoughts uh, for yeah. you on a good or service? I love it. I love it. And I, uh, you know, looking through your guys's membership list, which is so impressive. I mean, I, you know, the the influence and, um, you know, the, the power that the GBA can bring to the table, I think is very important and uh, and super needed. Great company representation. So uh, I, I love that. So it's kind of tough looking through all those members. But I did scroll to the bottom there under, under the at the end of the alphabet and noted and saw Volkswagen and uh, my wife. Uh, and I just bought a uh, a brand new Volkswagen uh, Tiguan. Uh, we looked at a lot of different cars, and I mean, like a lot of different cars. And uh, by far, the Tiguan was the best. And we've had, owned it now for a couple months, and uh, my wife is still absolutely in love with it. And I'm I'm really impressed with it too. So I would uh, I'd, to the answer to that question, I'd say we're uh, really happy to have bought a uh, GBA member uh, vehicle from uh, Volkswagen. Great. Well, wonderful as always to talk to Dan Papanow from the Michigan Chamber. We really appreciate uh, the collaboration, not just this year and last, but over the last few years with Afi before GBA. Mm -hmm. uh, so looking forward to continuing to work with you all on tax issues in particular, uh, but really appreciate the time. And thanks again, Dan. My pleasure. Thank you, Meredith.